Hello, this is the Jill Cruz podcast. And I'm super excited about sharing this conversation that I had with my friend and colleague, Deb Walters. Deb and I had a really nice, deep conversation about caring for your body. And she shared how she has had this tendency her whole life to neglect her body, not completely doing certain self-care routines, but not really, really, and never really putting her body first before her work or before others and the habit of prioritizing other people over her own self-care. And so we got into it also about realizing the root, some of the root emotional issues for Deb about why she doesn't give her body the care that it deserves, which I think is really interesting and a, a common theme that I see with a lot of clients. I resonated with it because I also have that thing (laughs) uh, where I don't necessarily, uh, you know, it's sort of like I feel like I'm not enough and I kind of have to prove myself to myself. And uh, Deb had some of the similar type of thoughts and emotions. And I think this will resonate with a lot of people. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Deb. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. So the first thing I'd like to start with is just, I'm wondering what you feel is the most important lesson that you've learned on your health journey. One of the key things that I learned very young is we tend to compartmentalize. And so therefore, we have a thinking life, a a love life, a faith life, and all these lives. Well, really and truly, our body moves into the whole part of our lives, right? So everything is interconnected. And as you know me, Jill, and the work that I do, everything is about mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. So in that interconnectedness, I didn't treat my body very well when I was a teenager. I didn't eat. So I'm one of those people who had the story of when you're grieving or you're feeling unpowerful or extra stresses, whatever any of that is all about, I tend to shut down and don't take care of my body. That's the place I live and I I neglect it. Mm. So I learned very quickly in a significant story when I couldn't hardly move the lawnmower when I was mowing the lawn one time when I was 17, there was this place of me making peace with my body that Mm. I had to fuel it. I have to eat. I'm athletic. I was young. I was vibrant. There's a lot going on. I'm very spiritual, as you know, about who I am and my background as a minister and a counselor. And I had to get real real about my body. Anytime life got too much, the first thing I hurt was my body by not eating. Mm. So that became quite the awakening for me in those late teen years to get real real about mind, body, spirit. And that really began the journey for me. Was there something, was there like a a moment, I know you're saying when you were mowing the lawn, you realized that you were just maybe almost too weak to, to mow the lawn. I couldn't hardly push the mower. And at 17, and there's nothing really medically wrong with me, then I was doing something emotionally, spiritually, and mentally damaging to my own body. I was self-harming myself by not eating correctly. Yeah. Were you conscious? I mean, you were. You said, ex- explained how, you know, life gets hard, so you would just start to take that out on your own body, was was that a conscious thing or was it kind of more unconscious until you realized like how weak it was making you? You know, I think it was more unconscious at first because I do think there's a genetic component to those of us who come from these eating disorder type backgrounds. There's a personality piece that's driven in it. 
And yeah. as I've gotten older and I've looked back, I've realized my mother didn't eat very well when she was grieving either. You know, I've watched other relatives not do well by their body as well. So there is something almost genetic, I think, to a lot of the eating disorder conversations when we're honest about that. For me, I just prayerfully, as you know, being a prayer warrior person as I am in my my background, I distinctly remember you know, God telling me my my language would be the Holy Spirit. That would be my language, right? So mm-hmm. my language was, uh, you need to get real and get some protein and some water into your body. You you do not have any business treating the very vessel I ask you to walk into this world with this way. So I felt chastised, but it was a positive chastisement that was making me understand mm-hmm. I need to love my body. I need mm-hmm. to respect my body. I need to take care of my body. So that's where I really started working towards mind, body, spirit, having a true, honest integration that as we move into the world, then I just need to feel good in my own body. I need to be glad of the one I've got. And no matter what's going on around me, stresses, grieving, any issues, I still have to figure out sleeping well, hydrating, eating enough protein, doing right. So my husband and I will be married 42 years at the end of this month. Wow. And that being said, the end of August. And and that being said, we've not had a scale in our house for 40 of those years. So, and part of that goes to I'm not focused on number. Hmm. I'm focused on how good do I feel in my body? And is my mind and my body and my spirit in sync with each other as we move in this world? And that's kind of what that event that I just talked about has an opportunity to have been one of those anchor places in my life that got me on the track of being honest and authentic about mind-body-spirit interconnections. So that was the beginning of that piece, Jill. just want to ask, because I want to touch on this before we move forward. I found it interesting when you were talking about the genetic aspect of it. And Mm -hmm. what was coming to my mind is that in our society, uh, especially women, you know, we're kind of blamed for having an eating disorder, right? It's almost, it's not, it's not like uh, other psychiatric conditions. It's almost like, well, there's something wrong with that person. Why can't she get her act together? (laughs) And that extends from, you know, severe eating disorders all the way to someone having overweight or having obesity or simply just having, struggling with eating. There's a lot of blame and shame that comes with it. So I wanted to point that out that the genetic piece is interesting because it kind of, in a way, it gives you that grace to say, well, this is, I was born with this predisposition. Doesn't mean that you don't work, you know, strive toward change, but it does kind of take the pressure off. But then it's interesting how you said that that God or the Holy Spirit spoke to you in a way that was directional, but not accusatory or blame, feeling blameful for you. And I just wanted to highlight that. I thought that was fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for grasping my message on that part of it. Because it, you know, I think as we go through our lives and I'm six decades in, there's this moment of there's just anchor points, right? And that Mm -hmm. one is one of those anchor points for, for me about moving into my young adulthood with a little bit more respect for mm. myself in my body and a little bit more understanding that I have to honor what God's given me. And so, and that's just part of my personal journey walk in that piece. But yes, there is a genetic component. So how do you address that piece for myself? And when I do that, I realized I still, even when I got pregnant with my 
oldest daughter at age 25, I only gained 18 pounds in the pregnancy, and even the doctor chastised me for not gaining enough weight. And it wasn't that I wasn't eating. It's just that I felt like I was still eating just enough. Mm. And, and so, therefore, the baby's fine. I was very much a, a hands-on mom when, when my children came. But I did not realize that I don't seem to, to think about food a lot either. So there's a piece of that for me, Jill, that I'm even as I'm speaking to you, I'm like, oh, that's a little awareness there. I actually don't even think about food a lot. And so there's a, a part of me six decades into this realizing I still have to keep engaging my body into the rest of my day. Have I overworked it? Have I gotten enough sleep? Did I drink enough water today? So really and truly, um, those are things that I know that I have to stay ahead of. Part of what I wanted to talk with you about today, too, was in the aging process, how do you see us being able to do better with our body from an aging perspective? Because I know that as I'm six decades in, as I say, I find myself doing very well with my skincare. I do very well. I feel like I live a very balanced life for the most part, and I feel very centered and, and made a lot of effort towards mind, body, spirit for given what I do and why I do what I do and the counseling pieces that I come from and the ministerial background I have. But I do think that even all these years later, I could still do better by my body, even though I've made a lot of headway and I've done very, very good and I've really overall like my body. And I've made friends with my body in that regard, but I still think that it's the last thing on the list that I pay attention to. Mm. So as we age, I feel like one of the conscious things I need to do is be still moving that forward a little bit more into its place. It's almost like my mind is really there and my heart and spirit is really there, but my body still takes the brunt of the longest work day or the least amount of sleep or the, you know, the challenges that I will put my body through. I still do in my 60s that I would have done in my 20s. I still put my body through a lot more than, than uh, I think anyone should put their body through. Does that make sense what I'm trying to describe? Yeah, It's the absolutely. one area that I still continue. If I'm going to say I neglect something, I still tend to go towards a habit of I'll neglect the body first. And that's mm. not right. Interesting. Yeah. So have you had any insights into what you can do or what you would like to do differently about that? That's a good question. You know, and I really almost want to back up and say, that's something you might want to edit through. Because <laughs> there's this part of me that's like, no, that's not quite... I've taken good care of my body in the sense that if it's needed to have surgery to fix the foot, I fix the foot. If I need to fix my neck and I've had spinal surgery, I fix my neck. But I think there's a disconnect that I do still have with my body that in spite of all the balance efforts I try for, I will still overwork my body first more than I will rest or do self-care. I will go without water longer than I should, and I don't know why I do that. Hmm. And... I will still look for protein and make sure that I eat a protein bar or something, but I probably only consume two meals a day, hmm. and that's probably all the intake I actually have is, is, is a decent dinner and hmm. maybe something light for breakfast. I rarely eat lunch. Hmm. So there is something about all these years later, I know it's there, but I still don't have it as top shelf attention. Does that make sense what I'm trying to describe? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, like one thing that's coming to mind for me is, and I think again, going back to you know, our society is very unforgiving toward us, especially women. But I, men have their own issues. But when it comes to body image and taking care of our bodies, I, I think women get the brunt of that. And it just it feels a little punishing almost. Mm-hmm. what you're describing to me. And I think that's something that we're sort of taught, we're taught to do. And I'm wondering if a more, well, the word that's coming to mind for me is tenderness. Mm. Giving your body that tenderness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's resonating or if you have any thoughts about that, like the punishing versus tenderness idea. Does that feel like it's hitting some kind of... Yes, Jill, you you definitely, I again, I think... I don't tend to think as much about what society's opinions are. That does not tend to mm-hmm. get to me as much. I think part of where my my originating eating disorder, I feel like it was more genetic-based than it was mm-hmm. societal influence. I do think, for me, it's an internal owning of my of my own sense of tenderness that I am good enough. I'm a workaholic at heart. I will over-function. I will always have 14 plates in the air, and the thing in my life, which is my body, I will take good care of my skin, I will brush my teeth, I will work hard to make sure that I do great hygiene pieces. I mean, these are things that I will do nicely to my body. But I will actually, I think, when it comes to food and hydration and working, I am not as tender. That's a good word you've used there, Jill. I am not as tender there. And and some of it could be cultural. My husband and I both are firstborns in our family, and we both work very hard. We have a motto in this house, play hard, work hard. So you don't get a motto like work hard, play hard without there being a lot of demands on the human body. And my husband and I both have done that. So I don't think I come from an eating disorder based on the typical story. And I certainly have several friends and family members. The magazine comparisons to models or any of those kind of things certainly have had their play. I think mine was less that and more more genetic-based as well as more family dynamic-based. Am I still doing anything good enough, long enough, right enough to Mm. make the people I have to do life with okay? And so... I over-functioned as far back as I can remember. I have over-functioned to be the good girl in the family that held all the plates in the air and made the family life run super, super smooth to the best of my human ability. And I think some of my eating disorder mostly comes from that vein Mm, than it does from societal's version of what a female should look like as a size zero and that kind of thing. If I'm honest, I think it really comes more from that cup than it does the other. Right. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm really resonating with what you're saying because I also have the I'm not good enough uh, dialogue that's... It goes really in your head, in, right? I mean, it just doesn't... It's like, you need to sit down and take a break. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very insidious, though, I've noticed. Yeah. Like, I have to yeah. remind myself, like, oh, I think that I have to get all of this done because I'm trying to prove something to myself. No one else, just myself. And so I could totally relate to that. And it's it's very, very interesting to see how that that pressure that you're putting on yourself to be 
that provider and that source of support or, you know, whatever it is that you're providing for your family and your loved ones, that that manifests as, I'm going to use this machine, my body, this vessel. <laughs> it's almost like it becomes a machine, right? Like yes. you, you have yes. like a really high performance car. And Crank out that work. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. And thank you for really delving into that, because I think this will resonate with a lot of people that and we may not be as conscious about it. Right. So thank you for, for sharing that. Is there anything that you think that, that about this that you haven't accepted or is there something about this that you feel like you haven't faced? No, I don't think it's about anything I haven't faced as much as I think. As I age, as I said, and my question to you is, how do I stay tender and forthright about what the body needs as I age? Because I do want to do a better job recognizing that I don't want to overwork. And I haven't, I, and I'm getting to that place where I know I have nothing to prove. I have a lot of letters in front and behind my name. And if it was going to be all about that, that would have already been done. So I feel a little more settled about those kind of issues. But I do think, having worked with a lot of geriatrics and some of the patients and clients I've worked with at end of life and the layers of what I've watched, people are not aging as well as I would, I would hope we all would. The body is still continuing to get highly neglected out there universally. It takes a lot of hits. And I'm sensitive to the fact, to use your word tender, I'm a little tender to the fact we need to do a better job. So if there's a message from beginning of this conversation to now, I would say I don't want to be somebody who can't move a lawnmower because I'm 17 and capable, but I didn't take care of my body and I had an eating disorder to get around. And I did do that and handled that very well. And I got through having incredibly healthy children and incredibly healthy life and incredibly active life. All of that's true. But if I'm going to put something on the back burner, it's the taking care of my body. Now, here I am in my 60s, and the tail end of this conversation for me is, as I've watched geriatrics folks that I have cared for and taken care of at end of life, I've noticed that they don't eat right, they don't stay hydrated, they're not sleeping right, they're, they're not taking care of their body. And I'm sensitive and tender to, as you said, that I don't want to make the same mistake at at the end of my days, as I started out in the youth of my days, I want to make sure that I've grown up in some awareness that it is all interconnected. So do just the kind of really great due diligence for my body as it ages, as I know God would want me to do and would want me to treat this body well. So how do I do that, right? And I think in aging, they need probably higher levels of some versions of vitamins and minerals to do replacements back into their body that is different than what a young person needs at 20 and 30 years of age versus what somebody 60, 70, and 80 years of age needs. The body needs something more. So I guess my question to you, Jill, would be, what can I start doing and what can I share with my own people I serve and care for that'll allow us to do a better job of aging better with nutrition and, and a great appreciation that our body is amazing. It's a, it is an amazing machine. It's an amazing thing to see the intricacies of how the body actually functions and how 
beautiful it serves us. And yet one of the things I confessionally admit to is I haven't always been as kind and good to my body as I am to everything else in the world and to other people's bodies. Yeah. Mine takes a little bit of a hit and I need to do less of that. Yeah, I think the the first part is is actually what you mentioned last is being kind and good to your body and also that that appreciation that you were expressing I think is is vital as well. It's appreciation is like this wonderful like nice soft pillow that you can always land on like when you're feeling at your worst you can always say at least I'm alive or at least my legs work <laughs> or <laughs> you know, counting one, your one blessings ones... right you do that right exactly so. <laughs> exactly it always makes me feel better to count my blessings I love that and I think that's actually a lot of times we go about it from the other way of like mechanically you know what nutrients should I be taking in and how much should I be eating and how much should I move those are all I like to call them those are all content so I like to focus on context over okay. content so the context in which you are caring lovingly for this vessel that you only got one of in this life That's right, right. <laughs> as That's far right. as we know the context in which you approach that care should come from a place of kindness, tenderness, and, and if you can, and some people struggle with this, I know, actually self-love. Yes. At least self-acceptance and, and, and hopefully a little dash of self-love and some appreciation. That's the context in which you approach not from that context of, I want to care for my body and love my body. How do I do that? Well, okay, now you can talk about the content of, yes, you, everybody should be taking a multi. I feel that everybody should be taking a multi. And if you're, you should take one based on your age. So uh, the needs for a 65-year-old woman is different from the needs of a 35-year-old woman. So they have supplements that kind of do that, a good quality multi. And also protein is key. Most, you've mentioned protein a couple of times in this conversation. That is one thing that I see a lot with women more than men is not enough protein. So gotcha. really focusing in on the protein. And um, another thing that a lot of people don't talk about is actually taking digestive enzymes because our digestive juices, <laughs> which means, you know, the bile, the enzymes, the yeah. acid, they kind of are not as robust as we age. So taking a digestive aid with every meal can help you so that you break down that protein properly. You get the, the all the B12 that you can from that food and various nutrients. So um, for supplements, I think a, a multi and digestive enzymes with some other digestive aids can help. And after that, more than body fat, it's lean mass. So as we you know, when you're 45, it's different. But after about 60, 65, indicators of health much more are related to how much lean tissue you have as opposed to how much body fat. So women over 70 who have a little bit more body fat are actually protected. But we want to make sure that we keep up the physical activity and any kind of resistance training, whether it's body weight, or bands or weights or, you know, whatever you can do, a Pilates, those sorts of things to, to maintain that lean muscle, that is going to be probably the most profound thing you can do for Good. Okay. caring for your body as, as, you know, as we age. 
So I could go on and on about that, but I feel like those are the most important points. Yeah. But again, coming from that context of kindness to yourself and appreciation. Yes. So, so the kindness piece, which is the biggest bulk of what we've talked about, which is the emotional, mental, and spiritual to care for the body, right? But yeah. then there's a practicality of what you and I are, are talking about now. And, and thank you for those uh, words about the digestive enzymes. I've been trying to do these little green shakes and add in turmeric and all of that and, and try to start adding some things to be good to my body and to start giving it more than it's been getting through food um, is these shakes. But I do have digestive issues, always have. And again, I go back to genetics. My dad's had them. I've watched my grandmother have them. So there's something in the genetic makeup of our family that I've had some of the same similar wirings to my my body typing of the way it, it functions. So digestive pieces are very important here. So I'm, I'm interested in what you can share with me to help me have a better, because when you go on Amazon or any of these other places, Jill, it's like, you know, the floodgates just open up and it's just, you know, there's 101 things there and I have no idea what's good, what's not good, what's fillers, what's not. And then I look at other products and I'm going, that should be good. I can do that product and have all the vegetables and all the fruits I need by eating this gummy. Well, it's $200. And I don't know about everybody else out there. (laughs) I'm thinking, that's a lot of money for a gummy bear moment, right? So there's this place of me that's like, I don't know how to supplement without it getting invasive expensively. But the digestive enzyme you just talked about, I'm very interested in then what's a good product you would suggest for me if you can, or even tell me in a one-on-one moment, what do I need to take that'll help my belly? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to really also bring light to what you were talking about, about supplements. There are a ton of products out there that are based on who's got the loudest voice. And a lot of times they charge way, way more than they need to. And it's just, you know, it's all marketing. And there's very little substance and there's very little science <laughs> behind it. So there's there are a lot of, whether it's diet books, nutrition books, supplements, there's a, just a, an enormous amount of junk that's out there that we are all being, it's being thrown at us. And it's really what? hard to know what's right unless you're, you know, can understand scientific literature and go in and read it, which most people can't or they don't because it takes a lot of time. So one of my mottos is food first, food, always food first. And whole foods are superior to processed foods. So right. if there's right. some fancy diet right. out there that's like, well, you know, eat this bar, take this powder. No, eat whole foods first. When it comes to digestive issues, it has to be personalized. But in general, you know, I don't want to talk about specific brands on the podcast, but there are a couple of of companies that I like that I can talk to you about later. But yeah, you know, even if you went to Walgreens or some kind of pharmacy, you can find digestive enzymes there that are usually be fine and they can make a big difference in digestion. And they're cheap too. They're not expensive. Digestive enzymes are very uh, affordable. So they're they're like a high impact kind of supplement. Okay, that's very helpful. So I don't want to go into too many of the specifics, but I do think that it's important for people to be very careful about supplementation. Be wary. Be wary and co- really consult with someone who knows, like me. Yes. <laughs> or, Thank you. you know, a nutritionist. Yes, exactly. And 
everything needs to be personalized as well, I think. Like, and that comes back to listening to your body. So if you start a supplement or eating a certain way, if if it feels good, it's probably good. If it doesn't feel good, it's probably not good. I know that sounds very obvious, but a lot of times, you know, we spent I just spent two hundred dollars on this thing. It better make me feel yes. good, you know. Yes. And if it yes. doesn't, ah, oh, I'll just push through. Or you just read the latest you know, diet information. And you're like, well, that's a doctor. He must know. Well, there are plenty of doctors out there writing diet books, not evidence-based. So I would say, you know, the big takeaway is listen to your body. And when it comes to supplementation, ideally you consult with a professional, but at the very least, I think everybody should take a multi and, you know, over 65, probably a di- even over 55, uh, a digestive enzyme can make a big difference, but always consult with your doctor or your healthcare professional before taking any supplements, please, because it really does, you know, it can affect people adversely. And I don't want to be giving that kind of specific information on the podcast, <laughs> but you and I can talk Deb. Okay. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I know a little bit about what your work is, but I think it would be interesting for people to hear, you know, what's your work and how you help people and the name of your business. And if you want people to find you, just give a little information about that. Oh, well, thank you for that invitation. Um, I am Dr. Deb of Dr. Deb Ministries, and I basically do work with folks looking at mind, body, spirit. And I am one of those people who say it's an ongoing journey. I've got to do mine, just as I shared with you today about the body piece, that that's my weakness. I am certified in the Enneagram, which works on some self-awareness layers in the Enneagram assessment. So you can go to drdebministries.com. You can look me up on my website, and you can see that uh, you can contact me through there. And I'd be more than glad to do a self-awareness assessment on the Enneagram and see where everyone lands on their mind-body-spirit journey. I do say that no one ever arrives. It's an ongoing effort, just as you heard me in my own personal story, to go from late teenage girl trying to put some handles on being better towards my body, continuing to do that, and even now taking green shakes and looking for what multivitamins or uh, digestive enzymes as you're suggesting I take, and that's very helpful today. So as I do my work, I always appreciate folks like yourself, Jill, who remind us then I'm a little out of whack with my body, so how do I bring that back forward a little bit? So we're all constantly in this work together in that process. But in mine, I do look at mind, body, spirit through the Enneagram. I am a minister. I am a counselor. I work a lot with grief. We all grieve very differently. As I shared with you in my story with you, I when I grieve, I do not eat. It's one of my triggers, and I'm aware of that, and I have to be very conscious of that so that when I am in a grief story of my own, I really do have to pay attention to the very thing I tell my own clients. How are you treating your body? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Are you drinking? Because I have to stay on top of that myself. And I'm aware of that about my own triggers and my own moments. So I always find it a privilege to be a sojourner with others on their mind, body, spirit journey and what it is they're about doing. And I thank you for being with me on mine. So thank you for having me today. Yeah, thank you so much, Deb. I really appreciate it. Wow, I really enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Deb today. Whew. A lot to unpack there, and but I, I have to say that I've definitely been re-inspired to just, you know, reminded to 
prioritize my body and give my body the love and the attention that I know it deserves. And maybe hopefully you got a little inspiration to do the same for yourself. And if you would like to check out Dr. Deb, you can learn more about her on LinkedIn. She's Reverend Dr. Deb Walters. And I would love to hear from you. So please feel free to message me on LinkedIn. Just look for Jill Cruz. And uh, we also have a Facebook group that is the Healthy Happy Weight Loss Sisterhood, which is kind of a cool place to great community vibe there. And I also have a ton of blog posts that I think you would find interesting and inspiring and informational. And that's at winweightloss.com forward slash blog. That's W-Y-N as in with your nature. So W-Y-N weightloss.com forward slash blog. And thank you so much for listening today. Mm -hmm.